So I use the Ringo Star of the Big Ten. <laughs> Hey, how's it going, everyone? Welcome back to yet another edition of the Indiana Daily Student Football Podcast, your home for all the latest and greatest in IU football coverage coming at you from inside beautiful Franklin Hall. We are back with our normal trio today. Myself, Cameron Drummond, as the columnist, Murphy Wheeler, and Sean Mintert, our two IDS IU football reporters, all inside podcast studio number eight, ready to break down what we saw, what we learned from IU's 33-28 to loss to Penn State last weekend and take a look at a bit of an early game for the Hoosiers this week as they travel to take on the Minnesota Golden Gophers this Friday night before they enter into their bye week. So I guess without further ado, how are we doing, guys? Murphy, Sean? Doing great. What a great intro that was. It's a great day to be an Indiana Hoosier. It is, yeah. Yeah? Mm -hmm. It's a nice day here. It's great. I mean, you were outside a bit at the courthouse earlier. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> Listen, I just need to say... Directions the, are hard, I know. The Monroe County Courthouse needs to be a little bit more clear about there being courts <laughs> at the courthouse. <laughs> you would imagine courts would be at the courthouse, right? Apparently not. Apparently not. That's a story for another time. So, back on Saturday... <laughs> don't know how to transition out of that. Back on Saturday, Indiana takes on Penn State... Third straight loss for the Hoosiers, fourth loss in five conference games, fourth loss in the last five week for IU as they fell 33-28 to the Nittany Lions. That's a shame. Hate to see it. Was there, um, I mean, we all kind of, not yourself, Murphy, but me, Sean, and Michael Dugan, who was on last week, all kind of predicted that IU was going to get absolutely curb stomped in the game. I think we were talking like 40, 50, 60-point type deficits to lose by, but they only lost by five. Um, so moral victories, anyone? Sure. Like I, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's still a loss. Yeah. So I mean, I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know if there's any moral victories. I mean, maybe the fact that Stevie Scott came alive again. Um, that, yeah, that's a positive. That was a sure. positive. Yeah, I don't know. If, yeah. I'd say the biggest moral victory may be that Michael Penix is going to keep his red shirt. Oof. Wow. I don't know. Yeah. 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 No, soon. you can't say yeah. that. The dude. The dude tore his yeah, ACL. No, this is the bad way to keep his red shirt. Yeah, that's the the worst way possible, yeah. actually. So let's go into that then. So I guess, I mean, you can look at the X's nose of what happened on the field, but the biggest takeaway from Monday media, Tom Allen players, Mike DeBoard speaking to us, was that Michael Penix Jr. is out for the rest of this season, tore his ACL in the third quarter against Penn State. Bit of a weird play that happened on because he got hit low and hit high and had a Penn State kid get ejected for targeting on the play. But as soon as it happened, Penix went down, grabbed his knee, taken to the locker room, and then on Monday, Tom Allen tells us that he has a torn ACL, done for this year, hoping to get him back by spring ball, and then he will, he'll be a full go, hopefully, by, I believe, June 1st of 2019 for, like, actual spring or summer practices and stuff. How does his loss affect what IU's going to do the rest of the season? And I guess just from the standpoint of an Indiana football perspective, like, of course he tore his ACL, right? Like, he couldn't have right. been just, like, a hyperextended knee mm -hmm. or something. I don't know if it really affects it that much. I mean, again, we weren't seeing him a ton. This was just the third game that we saw him in um, this season. So, I mean, he could have still gotten his red shirt even if he did play this game and didn't get hurt, um, which, honestly, I, I've been thinking that maybe they were going to do that all year anyway. I, I kind of had a feeling they might red shirt him anyway So I, before he got hurt. So I'm not thinking it had a lot of impact on what they're doing moving forward. I guess it does – 
throw it kind of puts things up in the air behind Peyton Ramsey now because now it's mm-hmm. now it is Ramsey's team. There's really not that backup option anymore. Right. You have Reese Taylor as the QB right. two, and then and and the thing is with Reese Taylor, he could maybe do a serviceable job as the backup. That's fine, but there's no way he could move into that starting position. I mean, he's just not... Yeah, there's no threat for him to take right. over the starting job. He's not ready for it, and long-term, he's not that great of an oh, option, you're really. Ta- you're talking like if Peyton Ramsey happens to play really bad, there's no chance of them pulling the hook on him for Reese Taylor. I don't think so. Not. I mean, I just don't, no. I don't think it's Other than just, you know, taking him out for garbage time. Right. right. There's no, there's no way Ramsey's coming out. Or something like yeah. that. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I'd say the biggest problem... That that Penix's injury brings is you know you slow his development down by yeah. ten months or or whatever because when you have when you have to spend all that time rehabbing instead of actually working on getting better at college football, that's going to set you back a bit. Um, so the fact that he has to you know take six months before he can really start playing football again, um, that's going to really slow down his development. You know, you wonder you wonder about guys like that, and you see it in the NFL too. Guys like you know Carson Wentz that don't come back right away, and and younger guys that get hurt, you know, early in their careers. Sometimes it you know takes them another season to sort of you know really really mature, and and that's that's the biggest problem with Michael Penix because I think going into next season, I think there might be there's probably going to be an expectation that he's the starter at some point. Right. So right. when you slow down his development with a, with a knee injury like this that maybe casts a little bit of doubt into his status as the starter for next year. And I'd say that's the biggest concern. I don't think it's I don't think it's oh no, they lose Michael Penix for the next uh for the last four games of this season. It's they might get a less developed Michael Penix next season and on down the road. Right. I mean even sometimes with these ACL type injuries, guys don't come back the same at all from them like ever. And I guess, you know, to your point, Sean, it's not just the 10 months that he's not going to be playing. It's like there's no practice reps. Everything's going to have to be mental for him throughout, you know, until he gets cleared for contact. And even in spring ball, that's going to be like non-contact, seven-on-seven passing. So for a 2018 perspective, you guys don't think it's going to affect IU too much. I mean, I guess this means that nope. Monday media now we're going to stop asking Penix questions. Yeah, honestly, thank God those questions. I, uh, thank <laughs> God those questions aren't going to be asked anymore because <laughs> – I mean, again, I, I didn't really know if he was going to even play again this season. Right. I mean, I was, it didn't seem I was like, a little surprised he played against Penn State. It didn't seem like they were willing to tell us much about him. Right. But especially, like, you didn't think that he was going to come in there and play five or six games and burn that retro. It seemed very strategic the way we were going to use him. And I was, I was right. surprised, too, to see him against Penn State. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of a almost a shocker to see him come in. Um, and he played for long stretches of uh, time. I, how, what was – I can't even exactly remember – it was first the half. The periods of times that he played. I want to say he came in like right towards the end of the first quarter, played the majority of the second quarter, because right. then they put Peyton Ramsey put back in, in the for end. the final drive. Yeah, and then he got hurt in the third quarter. Yeah, and like. And they had Ramsey start the third quarter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. And they defaulted to the Peyton Ramsey experience um, point for that final drive of the first half. Right. Which still didn't work out too do well you, with clock management. Do you think that would have worked at all? That that little you know switching off like that, if they would have done that all year, or maybe for the rest of the year, if he it worked got hurt. great against Florida International. But that was Florida International. Yeah, yeah. against I, Penn State, I don't really know if it even worked that well. I'm always of the opinion if you're starting two quarterbacks, you don't have one. That's so. Yeah. I I don't really see a whole lot of benefit in in rotating quarterbacks. You know kind of just at the snap of a finger uh, I know it's not you know that you know off the cuff and they have a plan for it but I, I just don't think you're doing I don't think you're really doing either player that 
right. much of a service. I mean, aside from like if you bring someone in just for one specialty drive, because then you'd literally just have a specialty quarterback. Right. But I think you had actually two developed enough quarterbacks to where either of them could have started. And it was just really weird, you know, having Ramsey in for three drives, Penix in for three drives, yeah. Ramsey in for one drive of the half, then Ramsey, then Penix. There was just no – they never really established a rhythm with it, I think, was their biggest problem. Right. I mean, they were able to move the ball around a lot. A lot of receivers got Well, against Penn catches. State in particular. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. Against Penn State, they moved the ball around really well, and I think that's something that would happen – if you did that, I think you'd get a lot more guys involved in the offense, which maybe throws a little bit of, uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for here? Not inconsistency, but... Uh, Consistency? Oh, you would think of another word similar to inconsistency. Right. Um, it's like unpredictable. That's kind of what I was... Yeah. yeah, there's a little bit of unpredictability along with that if you do that. So I guess that would be one plus about that. But again, there there is no consistency when you do that, and I do think that would have been a problem moving forward. But... Either way, it doesn't matter now, um, and it it is kind of terrible. Like you said, this is just kind of like that IU thing that would happen, the, the up-and-coming, promising freshman quarterback. When he finally gets to play, look what happens. I mean, that's just kind of – it was kind of unbelievable. Trey Roberson. Yeah, exactly, and you kind of felt the energy just kind of get sucked out of the stadium at that point. Right. Well, here's here's the last thing I'll, I'll pose to you guys about the effects or the ramifications of the Michael Penix injury. So when they put him into the game against Penn State in the second quarter, it was when IU was going against the wind. And Penix didn't have a ton of success in terms of completion percentage, but he was chucking the ball hard down the field, and he was throwing it really long distances. And that had to have played some role in the ability of IU to get Stevie Scott loose. Ronnie Walker had like a 30-yard touchdown run. So the IU rushing attack had success in part because Penn State had to at least think in mind, okay, with Penix in the game, IU can throw the deep ball down the field, maybe respect it a bit more than if Ramsey had been back there. For the final four games of this season, how much will IU miss maybe the at least um, appearance that, okay, hey, we could hypothetically put Penix in and he could throw the ball down the field, so you better like, you know, back up a bit more to open up more for the rushing game. Is that going to be something you think that's going to be noticeable maybe. in terms of what IU's running game can do the final four yeah, games? Yeah, I'm not 100% sure what IU's rushing yards were when Penix was on the field as opposed to when Ramsey was on the field. Um but I think there probably is something to that. I mean, obviously, we've seen through a few games, Michael Penix has a stronger arm than Peyton Ramsey. Um, but I, I'm still hesitant to say that that really has an effect on the defense because he didn't show a whole lot of accuracy throwing deep down the field. Um, you know, I mean, he chucked it 50 yards, but and it was in the general vicinity of the receiver, but I just, I just don't think... You know, I guess it's it's good to keep a defense honest, but I just didn't see you know the kind of accuracy that you would really need to to really make a defense be honest to the deep pass and and really start thinking about you know taking defenders out of the box. Um, so I'm not a hundred percent sold on that um, really having that much of a negative effect. I think the offensive line playing well had a lot had a lot more mm-hmm. to do yeah. with with IU's success in the running game rather than the threat of a deep pass. Yeah, and so I guess that's something we can look at or see over the next couple games of the season. But I guess that kind of wraps up the Michael Penix discussion. Any other major takeaways you guys had from the Penn State game? It looked like the IU defense played a bit better tackling-wise. I mean, obviously they you know allowed some points on the board, but they kept uh, Trace McSorley in check for most of the game, although he did have some decent success on the ground running the football. Special teams defense was awful. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot about special teams. It yeah. was awful. 
No, let's talk about that then. Okay, so the special teams was really bad. Well, not just this week, but the past couple weeks, Tom Allen mentioned it made him want to puke after the game. Right. Iowa, they had that 60-yard kick return after he fumbled it. Then against Penn State, I believe we had one for like something like 60, 64 yards, and then the huge 95-yard one Mm -hmm. right after IU took the lead in the third quarter. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of. I don't. I don't. I don't know what the problem is there. It's just been horrendous, though. I mean, it really has. Um, and that. And what makes it worse is something that we kind of pointed out um, at the Iowa game. Is on the flip side of that, IU does not try to attack when they're returning yeah. kickoffs. Mm-hmm. They really don't. So I mean, when you're giving up those big plays on one end on defense, and you're not even attempting to do anything offensively on the other side, that's a huge disparity right there. That that's. I mean, that comes back to bite you. I mean, that's that on offense, that's some big plays. Even if you don't get that big play like the other teams are getting, at least you're trying to get them. And yeah. I mean, if you do break one off, that's one that you get back right there. Um, and, you know, you talk about how the new kickoff rule does give you some pretty good field, field position or whatever, and that's kind of their thinking behind that. But I mean, a, a nice return gives you a pretty good field yeah. position too. I, I, I thought mean, it was. I thought it was interesting. I think it was after the Iowa game um, when Tom Allen was sort of talking about their strategy behind fair catching. Him. He was mm-hmm. like, you know, if you can get the ball at the twenty-five every single time, you're going to be one of the better teams in the country in field field position. They're not even the better team in the game in right. field position right. because they're giving up so much. So. Right. You know, that's a good idea in theory, assuming you can stop the the opposing returner from running 40 yards at least. But since they haven't shown an ability to do that with consistency, then they're not then the fact that they're just fair catching every single kickoff doesn't do them a whole lot of good. Right. It's a two way street. I mean, it really is. And I mean, it's like you said, both of these last two games, they've just I mean, it's just awful. I mean, there's missed tackles. I mean, the one against Iowa, the big return they had against Iowa, that one was fumbled before, you know, that one was fumbled before he even took off. Uh, Pitt State might have had one like that, too, and did okay Penn with State it. Penn State fumbled literally like five times yeah, they, during the game and recovered all of them. Right. So, I mean, and then obviously the killer was the one right after IU took the lead and they returned it 96 yards or something like yep. that or whatever it was. Um or was that was that the Iowa game? Those no, that 90s? was Penn. I took a twenty-one twenty lead against Penn State. Then the ensuing kickoff goes right. all the way to the Indiana five. Was that like a ninety-yarder? It was. Yeah, it was ninety-five. He, yeah, okay. he took it from the end zone. Okay, so yeah, I mean, you have that one. I mean, it's just kind of unbelievable. And then on their side, you're just throwing Mike Majette out there just to fair catch the ball, and, and I just I don't get it. I well, just don't get it. Any little hint of that maybe kind of sporadically coming to life in the later part of the season is probably gone too because we had Reese Taylor as the secondary kickoff return yeah. guy, and they're not going to risk him on the field knowing that he's the backup quarterback mm-hmm. now. So, you know, and also it, it doesn't look good in comparison to when the offense's longest play each game is maybe like 30 yards. Yeah. Like they don't even have a single spontaneous 70-yard touchdown pass. I'm pretty sure IU's longest play from scrimmage this year is probably that Wapfillier touchdown against Michigan State. Yeah, definitely. Probably. That probably. <laughs> I think after that it might be like Stevie Scott's 40-yard run against Virginia. Yep. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Early what, in the game against them. What a day that was. Yeah. Yes, it was. It was raining. It was was. raining a lot. But I will say one thing, one thing more about the return game. The one saving grace for IU in the returning category was in the punt return game where Jay Sean Harris has been very good his entire career. Until last week when he fumbled the ball at a crucial time. Exactly. And you hate to see a guy like Jay Sean be the guy in that moment that that happens to. But 
I mean, again, it's just more mistakes. You wouldn't expect that from a senior fifth. Not expect it, but, you know, you put a senior fifth-year guy in there to punt and return, chances are your primary concern is not him fumbling the ball. Right, and I don't know what happened on that play. I, I do think it looked like they got a helmet right on yeah. the ball. Mm-hmm. The way it squirted out right into the arms of a Penn State yeah. guy. Right, I mean, it did look like that's what happened, but still, I mean, it, it probably could have been fair caught. You know what I mean? Like, it just it was a bad look. All yeah. around for IU special teams. Special teams killed them. I mean, I guess you. I mean, that's that's I, what you could say right there. Can, I think for the Iowa game, they were just beaten in so thoroughly. Right. No, that, that mm-hmm. special teams effect. But I think you can actually make the argument that pe- special teams caused them to lose the return Penn State games. Game. Return. Yeah. I mean, return Penn State started what two drives inside of IU's fifty and got fourteen points out of it because yeah. of two kickoff returns. Yep. That's huge. Yeah. Timing-wise as well, too. I mean, if you're going to give up a 95-yard kick return, maybe you can pick a better moment than the moment after you get momentum and take a one-point lead late in the third quarter. Well, ideally, you don't give one up at at all. all. Right. Right. Any other lasting thoughts from Penn State? Do we want to talk about what happened at the end of the first half there, which also took points off the board? The idea of accidentally snapping a football on fourth and one. I don't even want to talk about that. (laughs) That makes me want to puke, to be honest with you. And just the just the idea of how it was just so nonchalantly expressed in the press conference well, just blew well, me away. Well, I actually got confused for a quick second. That, that was towards the end of the first half when they accidentally snapped on fourth and one and mm-hmm. Michael Penix threw the incompletion to Nick Westbrook in the end mm-hmm. zone. But then at the end of the half, too, IU was scrambling trying to get the field goal. I think um, Ramsey threw a screen pass to Ricky Brookins Jr. Mm-hmm. He didn't get out of bounds, and then the clock expired with both the offense on the field and the IU special teams unit running on the field to maybe try a kickoff, like a kick um, a long-distance field goal, excuse me. So if you factor those two in, even if you just kick the field goal on the fourth and one and you get your clock management a bit better at the end of the half, that's six points, and now you lost by five. Yep. Like, that's I don't math. know what to tell you. It's six, not good. Six is more than five. It, correct. You are correct, sir. I will say, I was watching from the stands most of this game, and I will say, it, you could, you notice things a lot better down there. I, I mean, like, when we're talking about Stevie Scott, the holes were really good. I mean, he was hitting the holes really well. But, I mean, when you're up there kind of close and you can see all this, that you don't get to see that really in the press box. I will say that's something I took away. Stevie Scott hit the holes really well, and those holes were manifesting really well as well. The offensive line played really good against Penn State. After struggling a little bit here as of late, they had a really nice game, and I will say that. That's one of the biggest takeaways. It all kind of came apart on the final drive, but also like you right. weren't expecting too much out of that final drive. Well, like, that's what happens when it's Indiana football. Right. But also, the offensive line wasn't perfect because they had a lot of holding penalties. Yes. Um, Wes Martin had an uncharacteristic game where he had like three holding three penalties. Three or four, yeah. Three or four. I don't remember what it was. Um, but that, again, just a nut, just simple mistakes is what it kills this team and it's what's killed them forever. Let's pivot back to that real quick. I want people to know why you're in the stands for that game. It's yeah. not like you were chilling out there. Well, I mean, no, yeah, I wasn't just in the student section. Right. So let's talk about that. So Murphy went over to, was it Section 29? <laughs> it was Section 29, Row 27. Of Memorial Stadium to hang out with some hardcore, you know, diehard, longtime Season IU, ticket holders. Season ticket holder IU football fans to get their perspective on not necessarily just the Penn State game, but like what it's like to be an IU fan sitting there watching what happens to this program week after week. So right. you want to just kind of walk us through how that went and I was, your experience? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't overly surprised by the reactions that a lot of the fans were getting. And I, I followed just this one family, basically. Um, a guy who's about 40 years old, his, his brother, um, his dad, who's 68 years old, and his nephew, who's 15, 
Um, but I followed them, but it didn't really matter. It could have been anybody in that section because they were all saying the same things, um, maybe not to the same extent. But I was not surprised, just kind of – there was always that feeling that from everybody that it was all going to go down the drain at some point, and it did. And, they, I mean, it's like they knew what was going to happen. So, I, I mean, I wasn't surprised at all. It was a great time, uh, first of all. Again, you could see things a lot better down there um, than we can up in the press box. Um, but also we got, I got some great quotes from some of the people that I talked to down there. It was, it was electric. What's your favorite one? Pick one. Oh boy. Appropriate for this podcast. Right. Yeah. I had to clean up a lot of them. Not going to lie. Or I had to just not use them because of vulgarity. But, um, I mean the, the one that I liked where Penn State kept getting calls or yeah, it was, it was right after all the holding calls on IU they were kind of complaining how Penn State gets calls because they're Penn State. Um, and one of the quotes was, of course, Penn State gets calls in the Big Ten. They have a chance at a New Year's Bowl. We're just happy to be here. Like Ringo Starr, we're just happy to be here. <laughs> so I use the Ringo Starr of the Big Ten. Is <laughs> basically, you know what, though? <laughs> Who's Paul McCartney? Oh boy! So Big Ten football teams as members of the Beatles. Yeah, Michigan. I'm thinking Michigan. Mich- Michigan's Paul because McCartney. Big name, slightly overrated. Ooh. Ooh. Well, Ooh. Okay. I think I a better. I think McCartney. a better. I think a better comparison might be uh, like Jim Harbaugh is Paul McCartney. <laughs> Jim Harbaugh is Paul McCartney. So we can't say Ohio State's John Lennon though, can't? Well, pay Penn State's John Lennon. Ugh. Well, Penn State's also not been here. Not <laughs> well, been in the I don't Big know. Ten super long. I think it. I think it just depends on who you think the best Beetle is. Right. Because I think that has to go to Ohio State. Well, then. So for some, John it's Paul. Lennon. Some, it's John. Yeah. I mean, that's a toss-up for me. I don't yeah. know. I like them both. What Big Ten teams would? So how many? There were five. Four. Four. Oh Beatles. my God! There are five Beetles. Oh my God! The Beatles are not in my musical interest. Repertoire. How dare you? Yeah, I don't care that they're not. You yeah, should I mean, know everybody how many knows people John, are. Paul, George, and Ringo. That's, yeah, I, w- I was about to say I don't know who the other one is. So George, you know, George Harrison. Everybody forgets good. George Harrison. That's He's a good. Sh- that's a shame. So who should George Harrison be? Then? Probably Michigan State. Oh, so Michigan State. Let's, let's yeah. keep this all Absolutely. within the Big Ten East, then. Yeah. Or, or, well, that's where the decent teams are. I mean, so you could either Wisconsin's no one. Fine, Wisconsin could be George Harrison. Yeah. Fine, no one. Everyone forgets them. That seems appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Dang. Poor George Harrison gets <laughs> forgot all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't there a guy who was like you know, a member of the Beatles for like a bit and then he like quickly dropped out and they replaced him with someone a lot better? Yes. Well. Can that be Rutgers? Well, Pete Best. Yes. <laughs> Pete Best was the More original. Like worst. <laughs> 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 he was the original drummer. Okay. And he didn't want to come to America. So they replaced him with Ringo Starr. Okay, so Pete. So Best that's why Ringo Starr's just happy to be here. All right, I'm cool with that then. You see, yeah. that's where the quote comes from. Ah. Uh, also, I didn't understand. That they were not now. big fans of ABBA in <laughs> Section 29. <laughs> that was actually the best part. Who is though, really? Mm, I mean, ABBA's no. got some good songs. Oh, they do. Come on, ABBA. No, do. take a chance on me, slaps. Oh yeah, Dancing ABBA. Queen gets my toes attacked. Okay, <laughs> Dancing Queen's a little overrated. Uh, I, I don't know about dancing. Abba does not slap. Um, oh, what was? Oh, SOS. That's a good Ooh, song. That SOS. Is a good one. That's Abba's. I That's didn't know Abba sung that. Very good song. Just my, saying. My dad has three Abba CDs, and back when we lived at our old place, he would just play them on a loop when I was like six years old. So mm. 
I like okay, was, well, I got exposed to ABBA way too young. I think it's just like, you got exposed to ABBA way too young and way too much yeah. at a young age. Yeah, that's a high concentration of ABBA. <laughs> <laughs> So, oh God! But you know who's really sending out an SOS right now? No, don't do it. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> because Minnesota. I quit. Cut as, that part. As, nope. Please, I refuse. I'm I quit. You. As bad as things are going for the Indiana Hoosiers right now, things are going really bad for the Minnesota. Golden I'd say Gophers. they're about equal. To be you honest. bet, bud. Minnesota is zero and four oh, yeah. in conference play. <laughs> Well, yeah, they're real struggling up there. That's my Minnesota that like, accent. That was like a Canadian. <laughs> That's like person. Amish. That was almost Amish. <laughs> we love the Amish. I'm from Amish Southern Indiana. Podcast. I only talk to the Amish. <laughs> I am Amish. The Minnesota Amish heritage. Golden Gophers are 0 and 4 in Big Ten play. Losses to who'd we say again? Nebraska last week. Ohio State the week before. Iowa then also Maryland. Also Iowa and then Maryland. And the Maryland game was their worst loss. Wasn't they it a lost forty two to at thirteen Maryland? at Maryland. I don't know. Yep. Nebraska's pretty bad. Well, in terms of score. Ah. Yeah. I'll give a But you know, to be fair, they have lost all four of their Big Ten games by at least sixteen points. So they've been fair or fifteen in how points. much they've lost to everyone. And this came after a pretty hot start for PJ Flex Group. They were three 0 to start New Mexico State. Um, congrats on Fresno beating Fresno State. Congrats Fres- on beating Fresno State. Martinsville Baptist. Like congrats. <laughs> hey, hey, hold on. Fresno State's not bad. Fresno State's receiving votes. Fresno State beat okay. UCLA at the Rose Bowl by a ton of points, and then the UCLA, who's terrible this year. Correct. And yeah, then one and six. Yes. One and seven. Their last uh, their last non conference win and their last win in general came against the Miami of Ohio Red Hawks. Mm. So that's how Sisters we- of the Poor. Martinsville Baptist and uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of another one. Can't think of one. Yeah, it Co- doesn't matter. Conan State University from when Conan O'Brien created a fake March Madness team. There you go. And his starting lineup was like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, him, a robot. Um, the dude he makes fun of a ton. Yeah. And the secretary. <laughs> Elite to starting five. So there you go. So things are bad for Minnesota right now. Is what yeah, we're that's to what say. we're trying to say. Uh, as always, at IDSnews.com, you can check out our three th- our three things to know about IU's opponent. This week is Minnesota. So, Sean, let it rip. What do people need to know about the Golden Gophers beyond the fact that they're really not super Hold good? up, hold up. Before you go, who mm-hmm. is the be- who's the last really good player from Minnesota? You know who I remember? Lawrence Maroney. You remember Lawrence Maroney? The former Patriots running yeah. back? Heck of a player, he but I don't remember anybody else other than Lawrence Maroney. Let's Google real quick Minnesota football players in the NFL. I just wanted to know. There might have been an offensive lineman somewhere along the way. I don't know about those guys. Uh, you say those, those people oh, really don't count? Yeah. <laughs> okay, here we go. You guys want to know, in 2017, Jalen Myrick was a seventh-round draft pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Don't care. Uh, let's just start scrolling. Oh, God, these guys are not good. Eric Decker. Oh, okay, Eric Decker. 2010, Eric Decker drafted by the Broncos Ooh. from Minnesota. Do you remember Rasheed Hegman, the defensive tackle? I do not. Oh, who went to the he Falcons? was good. I yeah, yeah. Him. Who else we got? Oh, the, Eric Murray plays for the Chiefs, but he's not very good. So <laughs> okay. we'll right before be Lauren, him off this right list. before Lawrence Maroney, the year before him in twenty in twenty in two thousand and five, former Dallas Cowboy Marion the Barbarian Barber. Marion Barber went to, yeah. Wow. How about that? You learn something new every day they've here some, on this podcast. We've had some decent players over the years. Not a not a ton though. Not a real blue but blue blue blood. Excuse me. They've had two Marion Barbers. Marion Barber Jr. was drafted in 1981. Then Marion Barber the third was drafted in 2005. Can't wait till Marion Barber the fourth comes <laughs> along and tears it up again. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's about it for Minnesota. Yeah, there really players. just aren't that many memorable. No, they're just not good. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I don't know what happened in 1963, but they had two separate guys both named Bobby Bell drafted in 1963. No way. They had Bobby. That's a. That's, that's got to be a misprint. That may be a typo, but I hope it's not. If that's if 1963, there are two guys named Bobby Bell that are both pretty good on Minnesota. I would be shocked. That guy named Wayne Williams drafted in 1945 during the war. More like Will Wayneums. <laughs> they had a guy in 1940 named Win Peterson. His first name was Win. Yeah. 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 Great locker room guy. I know a guy, guy named Win. Great locker room guy. <laughs> when your first name's Win. A guy named Vic Spadaccini was drafted in 1938. Okay, now we're just now we're just. <laughs> he was a fullback. Unbelievable. Okay, back to the 2018 Gophers. Sean, let it rip. Well, the first thing was that they've lost their four conference games so far. <laughs> so you took that one from me. <laughs> yeah. Um, the second one. So their starting quarterback Zach Anikstad, he's a true freshman. Uh, suffered an internal midsection injury during the first half of their game against Nebraska. Uh, he was brief, briefly hospitalized, but he was allowed to fly home with the team. Um, and he is, I guess, call him questionable for uh, <laughs> for Friday. Internal bleeding, we'll call him questionable. Um, yeah, but he'd been off to an okay start. He threw for 1,277 yards and nine touchdowns through the first seven games. Um but Tanner Morgan, another freshman, uh, he played the second half. He was okay. Manage he went, went, 11, went 11 of 16 for 214 yards and ran for a touchdown. So I don't know how much of a difference it makes who starts at quarterback for Minnesota. I think they're roughly interchangeable. Um, so, yeah, neither of them are, are real dynamic playmakers. Morgan can run a little bit better than Anikstad can. Um, but – yeah, I think I think it's about that you get about the same amount of production from either one. And then the third one, uh, Muhammad Ibrahim mainly uh, is a pretty solid running back. Him and Bryce Williams uh, have combined for 800 yards and four touchdowns to start the year. Um, but Ibrahim has has really picked up the load since he came back um, at the beginning of Big Ten play. He has 464 yards and three of those touchdowns. Um, and Williams hasn't seen more than nine carries in Big Ten play, but. Um, Ibrahim is, he's okay. He averages 5.2 yards a carry. Um, they've got some big boys up front. Like I feel like, you know, all those Northern schools, including, <laughs> including one who's six, nine, 400 pounds. I think we talked about this Thank a couple um, weeks ago. On six, the nine, 400 pounds. <laughs> the heavyweight champion of the world. <laughs> What's his name? I can't remember. I want to say we talked about him as like a big Hawaiian guy. Or he's like Samoan or Samoan. Yeah. I'm literally Googling big Minnesota offensive <laughs> linemen. <laughs> yeah, I remember I remember looking forward to this Minnesota game specifically because I remember that there was a 400-pound like left tackle mm-hmm. or left guard or something who's going to be Let's on the Golden see. Gophers. Uh, I'll, I'll know the name when I see it. There he is, Daniel Falele. I believe is oh he's from Australia. Okay, well that's close enough to. He actually up. played with their starting quarterback, Anikstad at IMG Academy. Oh, in they Florida. both went to IMG. Uh huh. Well, Anikstad is from Minnesota and he transferred. Mm. Um, but yeah, 
He's six nine, four hundred pounds. Is he, he going to start? Is he's he been, the he's been the starter since I think two weeks ago. Excellent. Um, since their game against Iowa, so yeah, somehow he was only the number twenty two offensive tackle recruit in the state of Florida. I'm not sure how that works. <laughs> I think just the fact that he's four hundred pounds should get him in the top ten. <laughs> Honestly, though, like he may be yeah. Andre the Giant. He honestly. was a four-star recruit, and he was the number twenty-two offensive tackle in the state of Florida. Can you imagine Andre the Giant as an offensive lineman? King Kong Bundy. Do you even know who that is? <laughs> Are we talking about professional wrestlers? Yeah, we're talking about professional wrestlers <laughs> now. But yes, but like old-school professional wrestlers. Right, old. School. You've never heard of King Kong Bundy, have heard you? Paul Hogan. Okay, that's good enough. Yeah, no. Playing offensive tackle, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, brother. <laughs> oh God. Okay. <laughs> So that's what to look for from Minnesota. Um, not and a whole it's on lot. a Friday. That's not a lot. Yeah, let's talk about that. No, fr- let's not talk about Friday that. That's not worth talking college about. College football. Who's excited? Not me. Yeah, not me. Big no. Let me let me post. I will not be covering the game on Excellent. a Friday. Yes. I have to cover high school football because that's when you play football on Fridays. What's the high school game this week? Paoli against Paoli and Mitchell. <laughs> that's a good one. Second round. Second round of the sectional. Of the sectional. The Rams going to. The 10-0 and 0 Rams versus the 6-4 and 4 Blue Jackets. Blue Jackets. Going to be a good one. Who's uh, who's going to win? Rams? I'm going to give it, yeah, I'm going to say Paoli. Um, I'll say uh, 24 to. Mm, 24 to 14. Mm, interesting. That's a cool-looking scoreline. Yep. Let me pose this one question about the Friday night football game aspect, because we know how Tom Allen's said many, many times how he believes Friday night football should be reserved for high schools. Being a former high school coach, you can understand that and things right. of that nature. If this Friday night game was played in Bloomington, Minnesota-IU this coming Friday night, would the crowd be good or bad, hypothetically? Bad. And it would be bad. bad. Well, it would be bad. Are South and North still I, alive? They, I would imagine they are. You th- you I don't know for sure, say, but I'd I imagine. would say bad. You think that would have a decent impact would. whether South and North and like the local high schools would still be playing? I don't know what kind of crowds they get at those high school games. They get pretty good ones, I'm sure. Yeah. So yeah, I would say it'd be bad. I don't know. I would. It'd probably be bad either way. Students would. Be, students would be yeah, the, the only student section. Students would be fine. Yeah. yeah. But other than that, yeah, I don't know how many alumni and whatnot you're getting out on a Friday night. Makes sense. Yep. I mean, no one. I don't think anyone's driving like from the surrounding areas too far. Right. Because I guess like when it's on a Saturday, you make that commitment. Yeah. To, like you can spend the whole day, but yeah. Yeah. I don't think anyone's. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things where IU is a football program in need of some kind of attention or some kind of national stage, and when it gets presented to you with a Friday night game on Fox Sports One, you're not gonna, I guess, pass up on that opportunity too much or too often. Correct. Bryant Fitzgerald just walked by, so I just wanted to point that out. Friend there. of the mm-hmm. program. Friend of the program. Friend of the program. Friend we should have had him on, honestly. Yeah, we should have just waved him in here. We should have <laughs> just grabbed him. All right, so that's a look at how the Friday night aspect will go of the game. Let's go into score predictions now real quick. It's Indiana. It's Minnesota. Both teams need a win. Minnesota, three games for bowl eligibility. IU, two games for bowl eligibility. But the Hoosiers do have a bye before they take on Maryland on what I believe is going to be November 10th. So, game very important for both teams. Who's going to win, Sean, and why? This is tough because I really didn't – when I was doing this before the season started, I didn't realize how bad Minnesota was going to be. You thought they'd be a bit better. I thought they'd be a bowl team, and they don't look like that at all. Um, I still th- – I don't, I don't think IU's going to win this game. I think it'll be – I'm going to say 20-13 to 13 Minnesota. 
I just don't think I just don't think the offense does anything of note, really. Um, Saying they struggle with. Rams? I think I think it's just going to be two teams that are just below average. It's this gonna, game belongs. It's going to be a bad. This game. is this is an ESPN two noon kickoff game being played on Friday night, hosted by Beth Moens. Yep, this is an ESPN the Ocho game. <laughs> <laughs> so twenty to thirteen, Ski Uma. Ski Row the boat. I was going to ask. We don't have enough time for that, but I was going to ask what the Ski Ma thing is all about. I I've, literally don't understand. I've never heard that in my life, so. It's like their hoo-hoo-hoo-hoosiers thing, I'm pretty sure, but like, I just don't understand why it's a thing. Good for them. Anyway, Murphy, score. Um, why? I think IU's going to come in. I think they're going to lay a big egg. Really? Um, I think they're going to get beat 24-14. to 14. It's going to be a sloppy game. It's going to be just... Terrible think, to watch. I don't think any of us think this is going to be an aesthetically pleasing football. No, game. I, I really don't. I think it's just going to be a terrible game to watch, and I think I just don't have confidence in IU to come out and get this win. Um, and it is it is hard again a Friday night game road. on the road in Minnesota. Weird place too. Like you, I think not a great IU's first trip to TCF Bank Stadium as well. Right. So, I've actually had them losing this game all year. So yeah. When I was on uh, discussed with Michael Dugan this game earlier, this is the game Indiana football loses every year. Yep. This is Northwestern from 2016, 20 to 14 loss. This is Maryland from 2017, yep. a 42 39 loss. Bortenschlager. Yep. Yeah, Bortenschlagered. <laughs> Cathedral High School zone. <laughs> And in 2018, this is probably going to be the same kind of Indiana football game. I'll take Minnesota 28 to 17. There's just no reason to think. I don't. I was surprised when I saw IU come out as a three-point favorite in this game in the Vegas lines to open it up. To be honest, just because nothing from the past three weeks or even Big Ten play in general, throwing the Rutgers game, throwing the Michigan State game, has indicated to me that Indiana has the mental resolve, and especially after this recent slew of injuries and whatever you want to say about Penix getting out for the year, they just don't seem to have the offensive creativity to be able to go into a tough road environment and actually like you know play up to expectations for the entire period of four quarters long and especially when you add into the mix the special teams woes they've had recently if they revert back to form defensively from the Iowa game there's just going to be a whole lot of things that need to be addressed at once and I don't think you can do that on a short week against an equally desperate team as well who isn't terrible it's not like they're going to go play Rutgers obviously like Minnesota's at least a competent football team and I think they can take advantage of that and come out with the win so we all have IU basically needing to win two of its final three games to make it to a bowl game. Correct, sir. Let's do that real quick. Is, just real quick, make a bowl game, yes or no, IU, Sean? No. Nope. Yes. Yeah, of course. Of course. I yeah. think Optimist. I think, they'll, I think they'll get Maryland, and I think they'll pull one out against Purdue. They'll get the Detroit or the Dallas Bowl game, and we're all going to hate ourselves. Whatever, dude. Thanks again for listening to the Indiana Daily Student Football Podcast. We, as always, appreciate you guys tuning in and listening to our thoughts about the Hoosiers so far this season and going into the future as well. Be sure to keep it locked. IDSnews.com is your home for all your Indiana football coverage and follow along both online and on Twitter at IDS underscore sports for coverage of Indiana's game this Friday night against the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Also, uh, the GoFundMe for Raekwon Jones' family. Oh, yes. yeah. Uh, let's, it's let's on his Twitter page on Facebook. We have a story about it at idsnews.com. Yeah, is it linked in there, too? It's linked in there. It's linked in there. Uh, smash that donation button. Raekwon Jones, starting linebacker for Indiana, his family's home, uh, devastated, completely destroyed in the Hurricane Michael that hit Florida earlier, a couple weeks ago, earlier this month. And so go out and do a good thing for Raekwon.